Do you know anybody who has ever changed their name? Their first name? Yeah. Mm, yeah, I think so. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe. Are you a cop? Yeah. <laughs> I need their names, uh, previous aliases. I don't know anyone who's ever changed their name. But if you were going to change your name, would you would you change your name to Tile? One letter. Like it's just really close. Just take out one letter. Now I get it. Artists do this a lot. It's a thing, you know, like my stage name versus my real Wait, name. Wait, to where it still also sounds exactly the same. So you're really, you're not even changing your name. You're changing the spelling. You're changing the spelling of your name. Why would you, if you're Beck, born Beck, named Beck, just add a C to your name? Maybe so they wouldn't think that he was from another country. Maybe it's a xenophobic decision. Maybe so people knew it wasn't pronounced Beak. Long E. Long E. Is that his, maybe, maybe so they what would is that, What if that's his name? Is that his name, Beak? Is his name Beak? It could be. Did you just blow my mind? Is his name actually Beak? It's a long E. If you, There's no little, what are those little dots called? I don't know what those dots are called. I forgot. His eyes? Those beady little eyes he's got? <laughs> no, not his eyes. Oh, the little dots above the, uh, above the E that make it long. That makes what I just said very mean, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> You're thinking of umlauts. Umlauts. But the long sound is the straight line above. Oh, okay. That's right. That's the one letter. that draws it out. But if Beck's name was Beak, it'd be pretty fitting. Because if you asked me to make a list of 10 singers who look like birds, this guy'd be right. Top five for sure. He, he Like Tom York is definitely above him. As far as looking like a bird, I got to go with Tom York because of the haircut. Okay. I don't know. That latest thing I saw of Beck, he would be Pretty fucking close to being number one for me. But yeah, I mean, he, he looks, looks like, like a bird. Like I'm saying, he'd be in my top five. Like skinny. Also, because he dresses in all black now, so yeah. he looks like a crow specifically. Yeah, you know what he lo- dresses like is black spy versus spy. That's what Beck looks yeah, yeah. like Yeah, yeah, the, the, like the guy. If he, he, he used to wear the floppy hats. He doesn't wear He's, them anymore. Does he not? I don't think so. The thing, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't wear those hats because... Uh, I don't know, dude. I just think it's insane that he changed his name from Beck to Beck. Just by adding a C. What a fucking asshole. Oh, right. Well, that was fun. So you think we should just get into the Scientology thing and get it out of the way? Yes. Beck changed his name from Beck to Beck. Are we going to have to change our names because we're going to talk so much shit about a cult? As far as I can remember, this is the first episode we have done on a Scientologist. I know it's come up on the show before. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's it's really crazy to me. I'm not going to lie. I definitely <laughs> judge people for believing in dumb shit. Yeah. And I, there's people that believe a lot of dumb shit. Like vaccines cause, you know, autism. You're an idiot. I think it's actually biologically important that you judge that person. Yeah. And there's a spectrum here, right? I don't believe in in something that is obviously scientific true. I think you're a moron. But I probably still let you hang out with my kids if you're a cool person. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. not like a, a disqualifying thing. I believe in Scientology for me yeah, would, be, would be disqualified. But they're putting your life in danger. It looks as though Beck may have become a Scientologist as early as the year 1991. Pretty early on. Which would explain why anyone has even heard of him in the first place. As of November 2019, he seems to be claiming that he was never a Scientologist. Mm. Either that's a lie or he was lying before when he straight up said to journalists, I am a Scientologist and then defended Scientology from 
all criticism, essentially. Uh. He didn't even say, you know, stop asking me about this. It's annoying. He was like, it's close-minded of everyone to judge them. They do really good things. If you knew all the good things they did for people, etc. There's an interview with the Irish Sunday Tribune in 2005. I guess he thought he was in another country, so fuck it. Let's go for it. Uh, he talks about how Scientology is much more like a philosophy, and it's, quote, just a real deep grassroots concerted effort for humanitarian causes, end quote, which is the polar opposite of true. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to watch many Scientology documentaries to know that that could not be further from reality. I think they do really do good things in that if you think about how much stress money causes people, and if you just kind of alleviate every one of that stress by taking all of their money, it's kind of like a stress reducer. That's exactly what I think Scientology is. It targets rich people yeah. and it helps them feel better about whatever fucked up stuff they have to do to be and stay rich. Take my money, make me feel better. Listen. Everyone that wants to send me $30, I will just go ahead and say you can do whatever you want this weekend. Then on Monday, you will be absolved of all of your sins and problems. 30 bucks is a good deal, dude. They charge you way more money than that, which I think is key. I think you got to go with like too much money for a person to spend so they feel it, you know? Yeah. It's got to be an amount of money that a very rich person is going to feel gone from their pocket and you take it from them in order to let them tell you all the worst things that they've ever done in their life, mm -hmm. then what you do is start pushing some real wild sci-fi cosmology on them. Crazy shit. Tell them, this is why the planet's here. This is why you're here. This is why we're all here. The craziest possible explanation. This is the intergalactic millennia-old war that we're fighting right now. That is clearly something that you push on people to see if they'll go with it. Either they're going to believe it and they're so gone in whatever's wrong with them yeah. that you can get them to do whatever you want. It's so nuts. Or they know you're full of shit, but they are way too deep into this and they know it. Uh -huh. You actually have on file all the worst things that they've ever done. And either out of embarrassment or fear, that's the whole thing. What percentage of people someone tells them the story, what percentage of them sit there and legitimately think that makes sense to me? It's got to be a small no percentage. No fucking yeah. way. We don't have time to get into all of this, really. There are documentaries now. If people are really interested in this, we could spend five hours sitting here talking about Scientology right now. It is, unfortunately, one of the most fascinating subjects around just because of how wild it is and that it is a thing even. It's well, nuts. Now that all these documentaries have come out, more people are aware of what's going on here, and it's just not a good look when you go back and read these Beck interviews. There's mm -hmm. a reason why this guy is trying to pretend like he was never a part of this. Beck fans always obviously want to try to find whatever excuses they can for this guy. You know, maybe he doesn't really even like Scientology. He's not like out there doing stuff, etc. He was saving up enough money to buy himself out. But in 2008, he told Vanity Fair that he, quote, only had positive things to say about Scientology, end quote. That's promoting it. That is an ad for Scientology. But now he says he didn't. It's bullshit that this guy was acting like he was never a Scientologist. That's the thing. Because he did the, I mean, Leah Remini called it, quote, a pussy move. That Beck is acting like 
He was never in Scientology. And for anyone who doesn't know, Leah Remini was in the cult of Scientology, has been very vocal about how evil it is and how much harassment she's dealt with for leaving and talking about it. It's one thing to say, I am no longer a member I, and I don't want to be a part of it anymore. It's a whole other thing to pretend as if it never happened. Dude, it's obvious that it happened. It's obvious that you were a member. Why not just say... I am no longer part of Scientology. And even then, you don't have to get into why if you don't want to. You don't owe an explanation, but just lying about it, now you look like an asshole. It makes you look worse. I'd sure he'd love to pretend like he was never a Scientologist, you know? Yeah. I would love to pretend like I never did the dumb shit that I've done in my life, but I did. How many people went in for their first audit because they read that interview. Mm-hmm. That's why fuck him in his stupid face for telling everyone who read that how great Scientology is and then making no effort to undo however much damage that caused. When there are consequences, you have to do what you can. You have to try to undo the damage that you've done in this world. Because if you don't, your soul is going to be trapped in another... You're killing me. I mean, because I don't want to do a whole episode on Scientology, but did you see the South Park? Oh, of course. That is The fact that they had to put... The thing in the parentheses. This is what Scientologists actually believe. Yeah. Like, we are not even telling a joke right now. Right. People at home are sitting there laughing about it. This shit is not a joke. It is crazy. What's stupid is it's not even funny. Like this, I feel like this episode has not been funny so far (laughs) because I don't like making jokes about Scientology. I think it lets people feel like it's this silly, harmless thing. Ha, ha, ha. Look at what these people believe. This is not silly or harmless. No, it has real world consequences, which if you watch Going Clear or any of these things, Oh, pretty man. obvious. It's a great tax haven, though. I'm thinking about we should start a not-for-profit right. uh, religion. Uh, it will be a non... Basically, our religion will be we reject all music, period. <clears throat> it's a complete rejection of the art form known as music. And to join, you must give us at least 50% of the money that you have. We could say we we're, burn your records. We could say that we're against any sounds that have been designed, created. So, like incidental sounds, like the sound of a car engine, would be fine. Totally fine. But if someone sat down and recorded that in order mm. to play it back, it's sort of like people who believe that pictures take a piece of your soul. Mm-hmm. We believe that audio. Yeah, we could do this. This has got wings. Yo, do me a favor, real quick, if you're listening to this podcast. Which you uh, are. You're obviously listening to this podcast. You think they're listening to the podcast right now? They're still listening. (laughs) Yeah, I guess they're listening, yeah. We really need you to subscribe. Wherever you're listening, hit the subscribe button. Definitely make sure you're subscribed. We've got merch now. What, shirts and pins and stickers and stuff? Yeah, on the website. Go to our website, yfbspod.com. Just do it. Just do it. That would be a good slogan for something. we should make a shirt. Okay. There is one funny thing to me about the fact that Beck was a Scientologist, though, which is for an extremely long time. This was sort of people weren't really sure if this was a rumor or not. You know, did you hear the Beck's a Scientologist? Ah, that's bullshit. Until what? 2005? Ten years into this guy's career is when I think he gave the first interview where he straight up acknowledges I'm a Scientologist. His bass player is a Scientologist. His dad was a Scientologist. So he was born into this, basically. The really funny thing, though, Scientology, their entire business model is based on celebrity involvement. Yeah, that's the thing. That's well documented. The only reason this is a functional thing at all is because it's based in L.A. and integrated with that city's entertainment industry 
was there ever any doubt that Tom Cruise and John Travolta were Scientologists, for example? Right. Everyone knew that they were Scientologists, constantly being seen at Scientology events, etc. Because they love their people to be like, look, if Tom Cruise is a Scientologist, you, you should be too. If Beck actually mattered, there never would have been any question that he was a Scientologist because they would have been <laughs> pushing him. Oh, we have Beck, and they're like, ah... Uh. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's either that or he's so boring that he didn't have anything that they could use to blackmail him with when he told <laughs> Beck was already clear when he walked in. <laughs> the reason I think it'd be pretty easy for someone to believe that that whole Beck's a Scientologist thing was just some rumor is I think it'd be pretty easy to start any rumor that we want to do about this guy. Mm -hmm. He's a blank slate. There's nothing going on with this guy at all. He's never given an interesting interview. Never gonna. Yeah. You're never gonna see the Beck story turned into a movie movie he's not gonna write an autobiography none of this shit's gonna happen because there's nothing going on here legit i don't think that the scientologist had anything to blackmail him with he's the most milquetoast human being on earth so what do we have on back uh it turns out the only thing we can blackmail him with is that he came here so yeah. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> which is why you can just say whatever you want into hey did you know that two years before loser came out beck was one of the kids on pete and pete this is why him saying things like I was never a Scientologist, but there's no recourse for it. There's nobody seemingly giving a shit. This is the one dude who would probably do him a favor to admit <laughs> that he used to be a Scientologist. It's like, oh shit, that's for <laughs> sure the most interesting thing about you. It's the only thing we've talked about so far in this episode. Yeah. Uh, did you know that Beck was born at Burning Man? He was. See, that's what I'm saying. We could start any fucking rumor that we wanted to. I know you couldn't see his face, you but wouldn't Mark doubt. did not know that I was joking right there. I did not know 100%. I legitimately was like, really? Uh, so Beck used to talk a lot in interviews about how much he was influenced by Sunhouse and Mississippi John Hurt. I don't know if that's just him being a smart ass about how Loser has a slide guitar in it and a bunch of other songs do too. But if you listen to any Beck song, and then get on YouTube and watch the video of Sunhouse playing Death Letter Blues. It's just not the same thing. It's not even a version of the thing. The best you could say about it is that he's making fun of Sunhouse. That's the most charitable option. Well, like all things, just a steel guitar, just the existence does not make it. This is a great steel guitar player song now, right? Again, it looks like he's making fun of blues stuff. When you when you see him play blues harmonica, it looks like he's making fun of it. Oh, look at the white guy do the blues thing. <laughs> I mean, it's possible that this guy could have had Jack White's career if he really wanted to be a blues musician. I don't think he did, though. I think it's possible that Beck is the Jack White origin story. I think it's possible that Jack White was sitting at home watching MTV, saw Beck, said, fuck that shit, and decided to go for it. Dude, what if... Okay, follow me here. Loser pops off. Yeah. Beck realizes, oh shit, I don't want to be locked into this sound forever. This isn't actually what I want to do. So he clones himself. But he makes himself slightly different in the cloning machine. He makes himself a little taller, a little paler. Paler, different color hair. Yeah, a little different color hair. He tweaks it a little bit. He gets to design his character. Right, 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 right. Oh, Beck, what would you like your new person to look? And then, boom, Jack White exists. This guy's origin story is he takes a bus from L.A. to New York City just to check it all out. And again, this is possibly, if not probably, him making fun of blues. 
making fun of a blues origin story. Well, I had to go, I had to take a bus to the other side of the country. Mm -hmm. You know, I met some people there, made some deals. Sold yeah. my soul to the devil on the way. So he goes from LA to New York City on a bus, finds some wannabe artist support group, it sounds like, where I guess everyone has to act like everyone else is a legitimate artist who may be about to redefine the entire concept of art or something. Uh, this is a scene that's commonly called the anti-folk scene in New York City. I would give you some examples of artists in this scene that everyone has heard of, but there are not any because <laughs> it's all terrible. They called it anti-folk, but I think all that meant was bad folk because they still just played folk music. I was going to say, it's exactly what it is, but just bad. Fuck folk. Check out this folky riff I wrote, but this shit sucks. Anti-folk, I think, is what before recording technology you would have called one man band busking, possibly. Sure. Have you ever seen people who have those oh, contraptions yeah. Yeah. where it's like a the kick drum, like a kick drum harmonica. attached to their feet and yeah. then doing the chicken dance while they're walking around and playing? Terribly obnoxious. If Beck lived before the existence of recording technology, he would have been that guy. He had a song called MTV Makes Me Want to Smoke Crack. This is the kind of thing you would come up with if you were trying to get someone to throw money into your guitar case on the sidewalk, okay? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he was trying to get sued for the publicity when he came up with a song called MTV Makes Me Want to Smoke Crack. I'm going to play this on the radio. They'll fucking sue me. Well, also, real quick side note, what a weird thing in, in my mind. MTV Makes You Want to Jump Off a Bridge makes sense because like, oh, you want to harm yourself. I mean, don't smoke crack. It's not good for you, but it just doesn't strike me as a thing that it's like hugely detrimental thing. I think it's his idea of putting down MTV, like MTV is so mind-numbing that it makes me want to smoke crack. Some sort of counterculture statement. It's very counterculture-y. But also, you know everyone at MTV loved that this guy had a song called that. Oh, sure. The corporate fucking dorks at MTV. Yeah, man, that's punk rock. We can laugh at ourselves. We can laugh at ourselves. It's funny, you know? <laughs> We're cool, dude. We're hip. Yeah, fuck yeah. Smoke crack. Let us take you to lunch sometime. Yeah. That shit. Cool, dude. I smoke crack actually right now. You will get your ass kicked in New York City. Far too much to stay there if you suck. Mm -hmm. That's Beck. Fuck, there was something else I forgot to show you. Have you seen The Larry Sanders Show by any chance? Uh, The Larry Sanders Show? Yeah, Gary Shandling. It's an old HBO oh, show. Oh, yeah, 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 way back. The yes, early 90s. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So this is one of the best television shows ever, if you haven't seen it. It's about a fictional late-night talk show filmed in L.A. Get someone's HBO password and watch the entire series. Beck was on The Larry Sanders Show very early in his career. This is post-loser, pre-Odelay. Beck is gets booked on the show because Janine Garofalo's character is fucking Beck's agent. He plays a terrible song cut to the producer watching the monitor. Well, she's only a person who doesn't know shit. There's nothing happening. That's about it. Is he making this up as he goes along? He's telling an American story. I thought he was going to do his hit. I think he's doing his bong hit. I see. <laughs> Everyone hates it. Later, Rip Torn's character, Artie, goes backstage and yells at Janine Garofalo's character for having Beck on the show and calls Beck a hillbilly from outer space. <laughs> so that's the kind of torture this guy's inflicting on people when he gets back to L.A. Shit that no one wants to hear and then loser happens. Beck has said, 
loser is a result of him making up ridiculous things just to see if anyone's listening to him. Uh-huh. He has stories about being on the bus and playing his guitar and trying to get people to listen to songs, just making them up on the spot. So maybe that's how he got started working on Loser. He told Pitchfork, quote, it's like if a friend took a stupid picture of you at a party on their phone and the next thing you knew, it was on every billboard, end quote. So he hits with that. Sounds like not what you would ever want to do. Right, yeah. Hits with that, signs to Geffen, gets the same manager as Nirvana and the Beastie Boys. We're off to the races here. This kid's going to have at least a one-hit wonder career. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I didn't realize before doing this that I was aware of Beck's career in real time. After looking at the dates on all this stuff, I guess loser to me from the first time I heard it, which was probably the first time I saw the video on MTV. That's definitely how I found out about Beck, I would say. It seemed like one of those videos that MTV probably started playing a long time ago before I was old enough to even want to pay attention to MTV and they were just still playing it, you know? Mm. Because the way the video looked and just, I don't know, the vibe about the song, something about it, I just knew this guy was older than he was trying to act. There were certain videos that MTV had like that, you know, classics that they would keep in. The Aerosmith with Run DMC, a lot of Michael Jackson videos they would keep in rotation way after the time. And I was about 10 when Loser came out. So I just thought this was some old bullshit they were still playing for some reason. Didn't realize that, oh, this is new. It was new. This is what people like now. The video, everything about it's kind of like, it's got that lo-fi sound, I guess. And the video is very, it looks like it was shot with a VHS camera. Yeah, Super 8 or something. Which it probably was. Uh, There's two things for me with this song. A, my mom would not let me listen to it. Or she would let me listen. I mean, listen whenever I wanted to. But she would be like, I don't like that. Because like he's saying that he's a loser. Why are you repeating these lyrics? She didn't want you to identify with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want you singing lyrics, you know, about being a loser. That's lame, blah, blah, blah. But my favorite thing about a song like Loser for an artist like Beck, when you look through the rest of his career, I love when bands pop off on songs that they don't, I don't even think really like. It launches their career, but then follows the rock songs with all the generic uh, electronica bullshit that I guess that he wanted to be the whole time. I don't know. Do you think he always wanted to be the future back? Was that the music that he wanted to be making? It's just that Loser was the song that took off? I think we're very much looking at a case of failing upward here with this guy's entire career. That's what career. it feels like. <laughs> yeah. It seems like a career in reverse. Now, people always act like Beck sort of came out of nowhere and defined this counterculture, self-loathing, slacker vibe that was coalescing in the youth of America. Yeah, but he wasn't a youth. He was an adult. Wasn't a youth, and that's not what happened. The song Creep by Radiohead came out two years before this. It makes total sense that Creep came out two years before. They run the careers of these bands in parallel. The song that explodes his career. Literally, the lyrics are, I'm a loser. Two years behind Radiohead at all times. Never quite reaching the pinnacle, which is Radiohead but forever trying to live in that gray area underneath them. Loser came out in 1994 as a single, and then it was put on the album Mellow Gold, which Beck made after Loser happened. I don't really give a shit about the whole story. I'm going to tell it real fast. It's not as interesting as people act like it is. Beck was just over at some dude's house. I had a bunch of music gear. They were fucking around with the samples that this guy made. Beck laid down the verses of Loser and then was listening to playback and thought it was terrible. Legit has said every time that he thought it was bad, he was a bad rapper, 
the reason why the chorus of the song is I'm a loser is because he legit was thinking, I suck at rapping. I shouldn't do this. I'm a loser. 24-year-old man. Yeah, an adult. This is some shit you do when you're 14 years old. And when he does go in to make this Mellow Gold album, it's like he's trying to overcompensate. Tries to go as weird because his loser is a mainstream hit. Way you know? mainstream. Big, 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 big song. This isn't what this guy thinks of himself. He's talked a lot in interviews about how he resisted signing a major label deal. And he said the only reason he resisted this major label deal is that it's what rock stars did. It wasn't anything about like keeping control of his music or anything like that. When he did sign a deal, he was allowed to put albums out on indie labels or whatever and he did and they were fucking trash because he's got this complex about being a pop artist and he wants to be a real artist and he is never gonna be a real artist how are people gonna think that i'm kurt cobain if i'm making millions of dollars off of this record album because this is the thing dude this is the time when a single like loser could have sold millions of copies of an album just off of that one oh, single. Oh, it did. Just off of one song. Have you ever tried to listen to that whole album, Mellow Gold? Not in probably 20 it years. It sounds like all the dirty drugs everyone was doing in the 90s. It sounds like, you know, nitrous, weird highs, not fun stuff. Sniffing markers, sniffing glue, <laughs> that kind of shit. <laughs> well, I was huffing paint when I wrote it. It sounds like a kid who heard the Butthole Surfers were supposed to be a cool, important band and then accidentally became a pop artist and wanted to prove that he wasn't a pop artist. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. The, so like, is Beck a rapper? Can we have that conversation? I don't know. I, I guess you could say he's a rapper. I know he's not a singer. Is he a hip hop artist? He straight up said that he wrote the song loser about how much he sucks at rapping. So he knows he's not a rapper yet. He still raps. Mm. Explain it. I, I can't. And I think a lot of people think that Beck is a rapper too. Yeah. And I think if you made fun of him for it, which we're going to do right now, people would say, what's wrong with him trying to be a rapper? I don't think that he's trying to be a rapper. I think this guy is making fun of rap. If you want to hear someone who is, there are people out there who are rappers also weird. Lil Wayne is pretty fucking weird. Yeah, I think like he's you, <laughs> extremely weird. He's a pretty weird guy. Yeah. His lyrics are pretty weird, but also usually amazing because he's legitimately a weird person. Right. It's not an act. Has anyone ever heard a Cool Keith album? Dr. Octagon. Listen to the song Earth People by Dr. Octagon. Yeah. That's a rapper who also is weird. Beck is not the weird rapper category. Well, because he's not weird. He's just a vanilla milquetoast human being that walks the earth. This is a boring person's idea of an interesting person. But that's the thing is if he applies all of his boringness and his like genericness to everything that he does not going to be a good rapper he's just going to be a boring rapper and a boring singer so we have new t-shirts but i just realized can we say how how specifically can we describe the designs of our new shirts uh we have shirts that roundaboutly might kind of make you think of a certain 90s runs rock band uh and or another famous rock band from the across the pond it rhymes with the bowling bones. <laughs> the bowling bones. Yeah. Shmervana. <laughs> <laughs> Shmervana. Come on down to yfbspod.com. Merch store. Buy a t-shirt. Buy a flag. Buy a pin. Buy a sticker. Here's the ultimate thing with Beck. I think it all comes back to this, and it always will with Beck. This only makes sense if you think he's making fun 
of the music it sounds like. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's happening. I think he's trying to be funny because he's too afraid to be sincere. And I think people think he's serious. The formula for every Beck album, it's partly making fun of whatever music has been popular in the few years before that album came out. So early in his career, this would be hip hop, uh, stuff like Days of the New, Marcy Playground, Meat Puppets. I think he's even making fun of Ween in a few places, which is kind of a weird thing to do. I don't know why anyone what an would asshole. do that. But then also you mix all that popular stuff with music that is sort of built on obscurity. This is the critical darling shit built on obscurity. The reason why the people who like it, like it, or claim to like it is because it's not mainstream stuff. The entire genre of blues, Mm -hmm. all blues fans are about finding the blues person other blues fans haven't heard of so they can bring that shit up and talk about it. That's what has kept interest in the blues alive until now. That explains why blues is such a huge part of Beck's early sound. There's also shit like kraut rock in there, psychedelic rock, even some southern rock bands that people don't really know about. Bands that kids who are just learning how to be a hipster always going to say he likes the Velvet Underground, always going to say he likes Pavement, always going to say he likes Captain Beefheart. It's all that shit you may not really even like to listen to, but you have to say it's genius if you want to be cool. Gateway into, look how much music knowledge I have. Oh, I really love Pavement. He's always putting some version of what is perceived as a cool thing into some version of what I think is mocking what is the most recently mainstream successful thing. And I'm not sure which is more hilarious though. Cause like if I'm wrong and he's actually trying and it's this bad, that is very funny. But if I'm right and he's joking and people take it this seriously, that is also very funny. But he makes the perfect background music, dude. If you really think about it, he applies all of these things in retrospect, and makes the ultimate version of every song for perfect background noise that you will never care or notice, but you somehow know every lyric because it's been jammed down your freaking eardrums so many times by every car commercial, Starbucks commercial, movie, all the fucking time. Every Beck album is something that got played in a mall or got placed in on a movie soundtrack when it came out because of what you're saying. Go through Beck's catalog of what his most popular songs are, which, by the way, Loser is like infinitely more popular. Always going to be But like one. infinitely more yeah. popular than any other song you ever did. You will say, oh my God, I know this song. And you will think to yourself and you will wonder, where do I know this song from? Because never at any time did you ever listen to the song on purpose. You are forced to listen to the song because you watched a movie trailer today or you watched a movie today. If you think about it, you are never going to put anything even remotely edgy or really that interesting, no. honestly, in anything. You want it to appeal to the broadest range humanly possible. So what do you do? You find the music that is this generic, poppy sounding for background noise. That's a great segue into the next album, Odelay. If there was any justice in the world, Beck would have been a one-hit wonder. But then he had to go and make an album with the Dust Brothers. And there's no way this wasn't the idea of Beck's manager, John Silva, who also managed the Beastie Boys, because the Beastie Boys also should and probably would have been a one-hit wonder if they hadn't gone and made a second album with the Dust Brothers and tricked critics into taking them seriously. And the same thing happens with their Beck album, Odelay. I think Spin Magazine gave this album a 10 out of 10. 
The big singles on this one are Where It's At, Devil's Haircut, and The New Pollution. The album is almost an hour long. There are 15 songs on it, and not one of them is good. None of them stand out. You know the songs. Everyone knows the songs. Because this is where it starts, right? This is like the launching pad for generic Beck background noise. This is when they need to turn this kid who's going to be a one-hit wonder into a singles artist, right. and they bring in the pros. Yes. That's essentially what happens here. The song Where It's At, that's the first single from the album. The only reason this song exists is to bridge the gap between that idiot rap of Loser and the singles artist this Dust Brothers is supposed to turn Beck into. This is a moment, if we were sitting on a stage and there was people in front of us right now where I would literally like to stand up and I would like to say, do you really like this song? Genuinely, do you really, really want to listen to this song? 99.99 repeating percent nostalgia. This is on a playlist and you just don't skip it. This is the song that ends and the next song begins and you realize that you just spent the last five minutes thinking about some completely other shit. You spaced, <laughs> you spaced out the whole time just seeing got two turntables and a microphone. I mean, who fucking knows all the lyrics in these back songs? I, if you're one of the people who ever sat down and memorized the lyrics to Loser or Jesus. Where It's At, congratulations on making it to this podcast. This is easily the best thing that's happened to you in a long time and you need to listen to every episode of every band you've ever heard of we're here to save you dummy buy a t-shirt <laughs> please the first time beck said he had two turntables and a microphone why didn't anyone take those things away from him where it's at is some g love and special sauce bullshit you remember that band yeah yeah cannot imagine a world where i press play on cold beverage ever and i don't want to hear where it's at by beck either and again if this is not making fun of run dmc era hip-hop it is an attempt to be run dmc era hip-hop and mm. i don't know which one is worse Dude, why is this white kid making fun of Run DMC? Or why does this white kid think he's Run DMC? Flip a fucking coin. It's both of them are bad. A few songs on this album are essentially hick hop. If you like country songs with rapping in them, Bex Odele is your jam. It definitely paved the way for Yellow Wolf. and Certainly Kid Rock owns this album. <laughs> kid Rock. <laughs> Still, right. he's probably listening to it right now. Yeah. The song Devil's Haircut is just pop pavement. It's the one with the bass line from Taxman by the Beatles. And I know we said in the Weezer episode that Weezer were pop pavement, but Beck's going for it too. Yeah. Beck doesn't have the problem of having to stick to one sound. Apparently he just gets to be a mashup artist and people will still buy it. So he gets to co-opt what everyone else is doing and just change one thing about it. Beck is kind of like Weezer. Add Weezer to the baseline from Taxman and you get Devil's Haircut. Beck is like really close to Weezer. Well, Beck has a story about going to a pavement concert after Loser got big and someone pushing him to the ground. Someone recognized him, hey, you're Beck, and got mad that he was there and pushed him on the ground. First of all, this, Beck, you should probably stand up for yourself and not be such a little bitch all the time. Same thing when someone talks shit on you in the press, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think the reason Beck got pushed down at a pavement show is because some pavement fans saw him and said, hey, that's the dickhead making way too much money being a pop version of the band I love who's about to play a show. This guy's here to steal their shit. <laughs> yeah. Get the fuck out of here, Beck. Yeah, yeah. You gonna steal their show now too, dude? You gonna steal their live show? They're protecting the pavement. 
Speaking of haircuts, uh, Beck needs to bring back the sideburns that he had during Odele era and stop dressing like a witch on Tumblr. He doesn't, uh, uh, he's got short hair now, right? Yeah, well. He had that long hair and the witchy hat thing going on. He's got sort of like a straw man, scarecrow haircut. And he wears that black hat. And I I mean, I've seen him wearing all black recently, doing the skinny jeans even when pointed. He looks like a little goth elf. Wow, no doubt looks just like the spy verse by then. I wonder if the devil's haircut he had in mind is the one he got right after this, where he started letting his hair grow out long, started putting blush on his cheeks. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Cute Beck. I don't know what that was. Odile, though, that's when Beck dressed like the IT guy who still somehow got laid every time he danced like Austin Powers at the bar. The guy shows up like he's here to fix the printer, then get high on a can of compressed air and bust out a freestyle. He looks like someone who's going to pretend to break dance, but then they get down and just do the worst version of the worm that you've definitely, ever seen. Definitely looks like a kind of guy that does a worm. Clear the path, clear the path. And then he does the worm and everyone's like, oh God, the guy did the worm. All right, kids, that's the end of part one. We did not see it coming when we sat down to record this, but it ended up being a very long session and we're going to have to split it into two parts, which it's fitting when you think about it, because really there are two different Becks. First, there's the loser, where it's at, is he or isn't he a Scientologist Beck, known and loved by the crowd who celebrate everything 90s. Then there's the, oh, now he has feelings and is suddenly being called a genius by the music media Beck, who strangely also happens to coincide with, we definitely now know he's a Scientologist Beck. But what do I know about pattern recognition, right? Uh, that's the Beck we're going to be talking about in part two. The critically acclaimed Beck literally nobody else knew about until he beat Beyonce for album of the year at the Grammys. And I'm not really sure who fell for this Beck, but I guess we'll find out when the podcast returns with part two. Until then, you're welcome for this podcast. You can go to yfbspod.com to get a link to this episode. Share it with everyone you know. If you're new to this podcast, our entire archive of episodes is also on the website in alphabetical order. You should also check out our store. In the last outro, I mentioned we were going to try to have a new t-shirt design up. I hadn't seen the design when I made that outro. Since then, I actually designed the shirt myself. You can go to shop.yfbspod.com, pre-order our new t-shirt design commemorating the Beethoven episode. Yes, you heard that correct. I designed it myself. It looks terrible, 